CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This Benny J bonus interview is brought to you by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Take it away, Benny J. Will do, Doc. Dr. D. Ben Jarofsky here. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. One more time. It is Friday, September 13th. That's the day we're doing this interview. But of course, you're listening at any time because it's a podcast. As we always do on bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show, I ask our distinguished guest or guest to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Carrie Reed. I'm the theater and dance editor for the Chicago Reader. Been in that job since July 8th, but worked at the Reader, freelanced for them for a number of years prior to that. So. All right, very good. And uh, Carrie Reed has been so gracious to come in. We're doing, talking a little theater. I think it's the first time we ever talked theater on the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> We're generally a political talk show, uh, but uh, I have other some obsessions, Carrie, that uh, I entertain from time to time. Movies is one. Uh, and sports is another. I don't get to entertain sports nearly as enough, uh, but uh, theater is one that I uh, also have a minor obsession with. I don't get to see nearly as much plays as I want to, but what got me the idea is that um, the reader just had a, uh, as a special issue, Chicago Fall Theater and Dance issue, so I want to promote the reader's great issue and talk about some of the plays that are in Chicago now and some of the, the good plays that people should know about, but before we do that, just get a, give sense, uh, folks a sense of who you are and how you got to this position. Where are you from originally? From I grew up in Downers Grove, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were educators. My dad taught U.S. history. Um, they were the uh, rare in our neighborhood. They were sort of the die in the you know die hard liberals. Uh, would not let the Tribune in the house. Um, All right, <laughs> I like these parents <laughs> until uh, you know until Royko went over there, and then they were like, "Well, okay." It's, All right, I'll but, let because Royko. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're an '80s kid. Yeah, pretty Is much. That your generation. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. I, like a lot of journalism nerds. I was the editor of my high school paper. My parents were, of course, watching the Watergate hearings when I was young and, you know, just endlessly dissecting that. It was pretty much a mandatory field trip for us to go see the film of uh, All the President's Men when it came out. So I thought I'd be more in the investigative journalist route. Uh, I always liked theater, but never really thought about pursuing it. I studied at the University of Missouri initially, and one semester I went over to study in London and Sort of my origin myth of how I became a real big theater nerd was I um, went one night to see a play by a German guy I'd vaguely heard of starring a woman I'd never heard of. And this was Bertolt Brecht's Mother Courage and Her Children starring Judi Dench. So that was kind of, oh, this is what you can do in theater. Yeah. And so I uh, just started seeing a lot of stuff and ended up tra- uh, transferring to Columbia College, Chicago, where uh, we were talking beforehand. Uh, Two of my classmates have done quite well for themselves, Anna Shapiro, who's now the artistic director at Steppenwolf, and David Cromer, whose uh, production of The Band's Visit is in town through uh, September 15th, um, his Tony Award-winning direction of that musical. So, um, yeah, yeah, so it kind of all 
came together and I thought, well, I like journalism, I like theater, I'll just write about theater. So. so how long, how, how does one go about getting a job as a theater uh, critic? It can't Gosh, be an easy thing to you do. you know, um, I originally, the first place I started writing was for Streetwise because one of my friends was the first executive director and he knew I'd worked with small theater companies in Chicago and he thought, well, you want to write up about, you know, pro bono, of course, but just write up some stuff that's happening in the theater scene. Uh, so I did that. Wrote a little bit for performing, which was a, it's still around at that time. It was a little bit, you know, in different hands and it's a performing arts trade publication. And then I uh, moved to the Bay Area and spent most of the 90s there and just started writing where I could, mostly, you know, free or for, you know, coupons, you know, as you do when you first start out. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and eventually I uh, worked for a few years as, or maybe a couple of years, freelance as the theater editor, or sorry, theater critic for the uh, East Bay Express, which at the time was a sister publication to the reader and uh, moved back in 2000 and, you know, sent out a few feelers and uh, they started sending me out on reviews and it kind of went from there. I spent about 17 years freelancing for the Tribune, which, uh, yeah, I know, irony because never had it in the house when I was growing <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, that is irony. Yeah, people are like, oh, you must have grown up reading Richard Christensen. I said, yeah, I read him and respected him later, yeah. but Glenna Size was who I read because she was the Tribune, I mean, the, sorry, the Sun-Times critic for so long. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, Richard Christensen got his start with the Chicago Daily News. Just right. old Chicago we, Daily News folks want to know that. Right, and we also got the Daily News. So we yeah. had the Daily News and the Sun-Times, but, uh, you know. So were you, is your reputation as being a real tough critic, or? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I've never really felt that there's a lot of benefit, or it's just maybe not my style. I mean, I enjoy reading really nasty reviews sometimes, because <laughs> they're just hilarious. Yeah. I think, oh, God, when Michael Phillips was still reviewing for the uh, theater for the tribune he had some line about a show where he said directed by you know whoever apparently while looking the other direction and i thought that was a really funny line (laughs) kind of tells you you know i I think a lot of it comes from the fact that i've spent a lot of time covering theaters in the smaller venues and it doesn't mean like you know i'm treating them like they're little league but i do think it's important to keep a sense of scale um if i see something that's this you know, multi-million dollar touring thing that's just not very good, then it makes me feel a little angry and disappointed because they're charging a lot of money and that's their whole job. You know, they're not like a 40-seat storefront where everyone's trying to do this and often doing very good work Mm -hmm. while they're also working full-time and they're, you know, putting their own money into this or that sort of thing. So I kind of feel like it's Taking a blunderbuss to a mosquito isn't always a good thing to do. Although I think I just called storefront theaters mosquitoes. Yes, yeah, so, so I'm say, probably gonna, <laughs> that was a bad metaphor. Yeah. She didn't really mean to say that. Right. Uh, hummingbirds. Well, They're beautiful hummingbirds. Because uh, here's the other thing. I mean, at some level, you want to promote theater in Chicago. Of course. Yeah. But you you got to be honest about the play. And, sure. You know. Sure. I think the thing I hear a lot from people when I talk to them about well, what makes Chicago a good theater town is that you have permission to fail. Um, and one of the great things about the reader is that we have so many critics out there covering things that, you know, if somebody sees a company and they don't really like them, they see a playwright, doesn't really hit them, maybe it's better the next time out, or maybe a different critic has a different perspective on it. You know, we all have our own taste. I think that's a thing that we have to keep in mind. What do you um, mean by permission to fail? I think by that, I mean, if you get a bad review, you're not dead in the water. You know, there's a real fear with some playwrights about going to New York, because on the one hand, yes, that's the brass ring, but say you go to New York and you get a not very good review from the New York Times, then the feeling is, well, now I'm poison. You know, now it's gonna be that much harder for regional theaters around the country or other people who might wanna produce me to pick that play up because they're, they're gonna look at the Times and be like, 
you yeah. know. Did you ever see the producers? I mean, the real producers? Oh, yes. the one With zero mustache. Oh, of producers, course, of course. Where he, yeah. The seal of death for the play is he's going to slip a $20 <laughs> right. bill into the, the playbill for the New York Times. I picked the wrong play. I picked the wrong director. <laughs> I picked the wrong actor. Where did I, I go right? right? Yeah. I guess you have seen the producers. <laughs> yes, yes. Love the producers. But I love that part where he slips some money. This right. has got a seal. He's paying off the New York Times. No mistake. Enjoy the show. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't happen. No, I feel never that I should, you know. Okay. Yeah. I will say, I always thought this was funny mm. when I was uh, freelancing for the Tribune, which I'm not now. Yeah. Um, our freelancer agreement always had some line about that I would not accept any gift from a company or anyone I'm covering of greater value than a keychain. I and see. I, and I never understood why they landed on keychain, as I think my sister said. There are very nice keychains made by Harry Winston and Tiffany. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love it when newspapers are really, really preserving their integrity by worrying about the freelance theater critic right. as opposed to the publisher's friends. Right. But we'll put that to the side. A yeah. little political yeah. comment by Ben Jarofsky. No, a friend of mine had much the same comedy. So I love when I see freelancers polishing their hearts of gold about conflicts of interest. Yeah. While the editor of Newsweek is entertaining Henry Kissinger in the Hamptons. Thank you. you know? Said it very well. Uh, a great mind stick alike. All right, so let me. Let's go to a opening, and you're there representing the Tribune or the Reader or whatever, yeah. and you see all the other critics are there as well. Do you guys like together at the intermission and try to feel each other out? No, I usually don't. I mean, maybe some people do. I think in general that's frowned on. I think people generally want to kind of, you know, we'll talk about maybe other things we've seen or, you know, in a more general way, but... I don't really know how I'm going to feel about the show until I sometimes till I sit down to write about it. Um, so what do critics talk about? Like when you see each other in the uh, in the lobby, what do you guys oh talk gosh. about? Gosh, I mean, we might talk about you know how busy we are, how glad we are that the show's only ninety minutes tonight because we're really tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I a great to, thing for the. Oh, thank God, this that. is short. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's funny. I think a lot of uh, you know people in theater would say the same. If they, you know, it's like you hear the ninety minutes, no intermission. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and what about the the people who run the theater companies? Do they come up to you? Are they solicitous yeah, I mean, in any way? Are very nice. You know, a lot of some companies do their own publicity. Many of them, the bigger houses, will have a publicist there who hands you know gives you your press kit, makes sure that you're you know got your seats and all that. Um, I don't. I, I don't think it's a secret that we don't pay for our tickets. There are some papers in the country still where the publishers will pay for the tickets. Um, and I've talked about that with people who do restaurant reviewing, and they thought it was sort of strange because they pay for their own meals. But my argument is, I'm not getting a different show than anybody else because they know I'm a critic. Whereas if you're a restaurant critic, you know they could be like, "Hey, it's no mistake. A little extra for you." You know. I mean, I'm sitting there yeah. getting exactly what the people who paid for their seats are getting too. So. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's maybe the biggest difference. But I, you know, I do try to keep that in mind. Um, I don't think it's necessarily my job to do consumer guides because I'm not really sure. You know, I, you mentioned having not seen Hamilton yet. I mean, there are people I know who have spent a lot of money to see Hamilton numerous times, and I, I love it. But I'm just thinking, I don't know if I'm going to spend two hundred dollars this week on a ticket, or you know, it, it's, it's just I don't know what people's measures. Absolutely. of value yeah. for them might be. And, uh, and it is time, too. I mean, three hours at a wonderful show can go by no time at all. 70 minutes, it's something that's not very well put together. Just 
will will still feel like a very long time in the theater. So we'll, we'll get to uh, the Hamilton question, which I have for you. I have a Hamilton question. Oh no, uh, is yeah. this a quiz? Do yeah. I win things? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't. There's tons of prizes on the bedroom. <laughs> I'm just gonna go home with the turtle wax. You're gonna get this uh, beautiful blue Mustang. Uh, we give mu- blue nice. Mustangs to everybody. That's uh, who, beautiful. Uh, yeah. Who, 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 answer the trivia questions. I have to think of a good trivia question for you that's related to theater that can really na- nail you on that one. Uh, let's talk about the theater, uh, the Chicago Fall Theater and Dance what? section in the Chicago Reader. Um, and uh, what are you excited about in this particular issue? Well, I'm really excited that I think we got to the best of what we do at the Reader, which is to cover people you probably haven't read about elsewhere. Nothing against Chicago Magazine or the Tribune or the, you know, but we want to get people in the spotlight who haven't necessarily had a lot of attention. Um, example, Jack Helbig, who's been one of our writers for years, has a feature on a playwright, Hana E. Epstein, who is from Hawaii and has written, this is the second piece of a trilogy she's writing, loosely based on her own experiences growing up in Hawaii and the drug culture there. Her new play is called Pakalolo Sweet, and that's opening, I think, next weekend. And, you know, she's very open about how she developed her writing voice, and part of that was reclaiming sort of her Hawaiian pigeon sort of native dialect and being told you can use that in a play. Um, Jack had seen her first play, really liked it. And he pitched us and said, I would, I, you know, she's doing another play. I want to know more about her. I think that's a great place for our writers to start for, for an issue like this is who am I curious about? Who do I keep thinking? Wow. I really like their work. Mm-hmm. For me, that was a set designer, Arnel Santianco, who is currently designing color purple out of Drury Lane in uh, the suburbs and also, well, also in the suburbs, Writers Theater's uh, Dal's House. He's worked at Goodman. He's worked at smaller theaters. He's only been out of grad school at Northwestern, I think, a couple of years. But he's just one of these people. Every time I sit down and I look at the set, I think, God, this is really interesting. And I look in the program, it's like, oh, Arnell did it. Well, I want to know about Arnell's story. So um, in my editor's note, I said that it was interesting to me that so many of these pieces ended up dealing with ideas of identity, transformation, who belongs, who doesn't. And even Arnell talked about designing a set for a great show that uh, Court Theater did last season called uh, Photograph 51 about Rosalind Franklin, who was one of the unsung heroines of discovering the model for human DNA. She actually got the photograph that showed the double helix. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't have a lot of photos of what her actual lab looked like. But he and Vanessa Stalling, the director, came up with this idea that it should look like a lot of interior windows so that she's always kind of under the microscope or something. You know, well, not microscope because she wasn't a biologist, but, you know, and he said, I know what that feels like because he's, he's a, you know, son of uh, Filipino immigrants, young gay man knows what it's like. He said to feel like you're kind of marginalized and people are always waiting for you to fail. And I thought, wow, that's, I yeah. didn't expect to get that you know, coming from a, you know, from the set designer's point of view, but it was kind of a thread throughout, whether it's Hannah talking about, you know, reclaiming her Hawaiian identity, um, dancers talking, uh, Aisha Jaco, who's a dancer and choreographer, and also the sister of Lupe Fiasco, their father, Gregory Jaco, ran uh, the Tornado School of Martial Arts. And uh, Irene Chow, who's our one of our wonderful dance writers, did a whole piece on a new uh, dance uh, piece that hasn't yet uh, been publicly performed, but it's been developed through Rebuild Foundation at the Stony Island Bank called Black Samurai, and it's her tribute to her late father, Aisha Jacob's uh, tribute to her late father. So. That's not in this current issue. It is, it is actually, so yeah. Understand. Yeah, there's a short documentary film, mm-hmm. too, um, called Southside Warriors, which I think you can find on YouTube if people are interested in knowing more about Gregory Jacob, because I didn't know a lot about him. I knew that their father had done martial arts, but he played bagpipes, and you know, she's making the connections, or Irene does in the piece, about how 
the martial arts community and the dance community had a lot of over, you know, overlap and music. And, you know, so it's a really interesting thing to think about all these different little worlds that you didn't know about or that I didn't know about, certainly, you know, coming together and how influential they've been, you know, a generation later. So uh, you mentioned something you were you were talking about set design. And it, this is a question I always wondered about. Do you start reviewing a play from the moment you walk um, into the theater? I start being aware, you know, I start taking notes because usually unless, you know, for the most part, we're not in the old fashioned, you know, movie theater with a curtain rises. Yeah. You're like, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you can kind of see what that world is. I try to get a sense of it, how it feels. Um, one of my friends used to have this great line about, she's like, I want to know how that, I want to know how the place smells. <laughs> like kind of like, can you, can you imagine walking in there? Like, what would you smell? Yeah. You know? Wow, is, it, you know, is it like antiseptic? Yeah. Is it is it verdant? Is it a backyard where you're like, oh, I can, you know, boy, I can just about smell those flowers or, yeah. Um, I think everyone does it a little bit differently. Um, and it's, you know, but, but I think I'm trying very hard not to prejudge, you know, so I'd want to kind of, as I said, sometimes I don't know exactly how I feel until I sit down to write about it. I mean, there aren't that many things that are, oh my God, this is amazing. You must see this right now. And the really, for me at least, aren't so many things I'm like, oh my God, go save yourselves. It's too late for me. I'd rather put a bullet in my head than see the show again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although they happen, <laughs> but I think fortunately not as often. Well, have you ever had a moment where you had to write a play, uh, a review of a play that you found incomprehensible? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when going at it as a reviewer about like i'm here to ask questions i'm not necessarily here to make pronouncements and i think it's good to say you know there's there's things here i just didn't get uh here's what it made me think of here's what it reminded me of here's what i think maybe they were going for but i think if you can be comfortable living in that gray area um and if you can give yourself permission to write in that gray area then you can maybe come up with something that's a little bit more interesting one hopes than well, here's well the, I just didn't get it. The, you know, and sometimes you just don't get Sometimes you're like, I'm not sure the playwright knew what they were trying to say here. Many, many years yeah. ago, uh, I saw a Harold Pinter play many years ago. Long, you mm -hmm. probably before you were born. I was very uh, young. I didn't know what was going mm -hmm. on. And I remember at intermission saying, I don't know what's going on. And everybody laughing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that cute little boy, you know, yeah, this and yeah. that. Uh, but I feel I was speaking for many of the yeah. uh, people yeah. who were sitting I, near I me. I don't think you should bring your children to Pinter. <laughs> I'm just going to go on the record of saying uh, that. I, I, I had an interesting upbringing, <laughs> if you want to talk about that sometime. Uh, apparently, my parents wanted to go, and they couldn't afford a babysitter. Hey, right. kids, you're going to see Pinter. <laughs> uh, I'm confused. Shut up. Uh, why are they <laughs> taking so long between lines? No, man, it's really weird stuff. Uh, but I sometimes, when I'm reading a review i'll say to myself when i'm reading a review i'm like this person just did not know what's going on so what he or she is doing is artfully dancing around it in such yeah. a way to make it sound like he or she knows what's going right. on when in fact they don't know any more than i do right i think that's fair you know and i think that there's it's okay to have work that resists immediate interpretation sometimes the shows that i you know i come out of immediately think oh that was really good the next morning maybe if i'm not overnighting the review and i say i think Wait, what did I like about it so much? You know what I mean? Like it works in the moment. Well, what about the reverse? And this and this is done a lot of times uh, retrospectively, uh, Carrie. For instance, like they'll go back. Let's say. Uh, uh 
Catch-22, 50th year anniversary mm-hmm. of the great novel. Uh, and then they'll go back and they'll get the first review. Right. This right. book sucked, you know? Exactly. <laughs> uh, have you ever had a moment like that where you reviewed a play, a new play, and it almost, oh my God, and now it's a classic and you were on the wrong yeah, side? Yeah, I can't remember any offhand, but I know there are things that I didn't like so much. But, you know, of course, it's also production, too, right? Sometimes I've seen some, okay, a play that I've never really particularly enjoyed David Rabe's Hurley Burley, which I think was made into a film. It Goodman did a big yeah. star-studded production of it back in the... I mean, never really had much use for it. I've seen it several times. But then Tiny Little Gift Theater, which is an equity house. They're union, but they're small, out in Jefferson Park. They did a production years ago. And I was just... I was transported by it. And I think it was the acting. I think it was the performances. Because then I went back and read the play, and I realized... No, I still have some of the same issues with how some of these characters are drawn. But I believed it in that moment. And that's, you know, that's kind of the tricky negotiation that you have as a critic. You know, there's a saying in theater, if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. But, well, if all it is is on the page, then why am I seeing this in a theater? I could stay home and read it, you know? Um, For what it's worth, I've just thought of this popped in my head. Uh, Roger Ebert, the great film critic, uh, panned The Shining. Which is a movie by I don't know if you're in a horror. Oh flicks, sure, okay. yeah. Uh, you're talking about the Kubrick. the Kubrick. Yes, shining. the Kubrick yeah. shining. Mm-hmm. Was there another Shining? Did I there was a TV it? one with Stephen Weber that apparently King himself liked better yes, than the Kubrick. He did. Yeah, amazing that you know that because <laughs> I happened to see that, that, you know, that one. Yeah, that, that you knew that King liked the one over the other because he too didn't get the Kubrick. <laughs> he didn't like it, uh, dude. His movie is better than your book. Uh, but uh, Ebert didn't like it. But years later, he mm-hmm. confronted that and gave him. Credit, he I, said, you know, I, my favorite example this is Laura Molzon, who for a long time was the dance uh, critic at the Reader, and she's going to be coming. This may be a mini Whoa. scoop. She's going to come back and do some writing. For Wait, us hold as on, well. stop the presses. Laura Molzon is coming. She used to edit me like five oh, billion yeah. years ago. Yeah, she's been she's <laughs> taking some time off. She's been working on a memoir, and she uh, she said, she's yeah, happy. Yeah, so I thought she was at the Tribunal. I mean, the Tribune. No, no, she hasn't been there for a couple of years. Oh, so I'm really up on top of things. No, uh, but she, <laughs> I remember. Um, <laughs> she wrote a review. It was a critic's choice on Stomp. You know, the music and the banging on drums and oh, tin yeah. cans Stomp. and all that. S-T-O-M-P, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the second time they'd come through town. So she quoted her review from the first time okay. when she hated it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but in her critic's choice for the second time, you know, she had this very negative quote and then just one line under it. I don't know why I had such a bug up my butt. And I just thought that was wonderful that she was able to say, you know. I just didn't get what they were doing. Like, I think that's going again to the idea of preconceptions. If you go in thinking a show is supposed to be about something, yeah, and sometimes you know you're kind of led to believe it'll be about something. The wor- I'll tell. Okay, since we're not in the Bay Area, I can talk about yeah, this. Trash them. There was a terrible, <laughs> terrible musical version of Invaders of the Body Snatchers that I went to see, uh-huh. and it was very much marketed that it was kind of going to be like this tongue in cheek, like Little Shop of Horrors, and and oh my God, no! It was so deadly serious and instead of communism the threat was antidepressants and this was what was making people turn into i don't know if you know this was written by scientologists i don't know (laughs) what happened but it was really one of those oh my god and they're right up next to me singing and having these moments and i'm just doing everything i can to not burst out laughing for all the wrong reasons (laughs) you know well, so, there, by, by the way, there's that. But ever, I will say that yeah. uh, uh, to tie it up, an actor in that production who was very good, and I was able to fairly say, you know, he was doing the best he could with a terrible, you know, burden to carry. A few weeks later, I had to call him for something else I was working on, and he was like, "Oh my God, I want to talk to you about that review." And I was like, 
Okay, he said, you were so right. Everything you said was what I had been trying to tell the producer and the director all along. So, you know, of course, I'm patting myself on the back. I'm sure there's plenty of times when they're like, that woman does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> Typewriter away from her. Um, all right, let me ask you some... Uh, this just popped in and said, you said actors. Who are maybe a couple of the great theater actors right on stage in Chicago that people may not know about that you really think? Uh, um, I haven't seen it yet, but Shan Cross, who played Rosalind Franklin in uh, Photograph 51, the show I just referenced, she's in a show right now at the Greenhouse called uh, Midsummer, a play with songs by a Scottish playwright. Um, Josh Flanders reviewed it for us in this week's Reader, and he described it as kind of a mix between Before Sunrise and Once, only I think there's also kind of drunken crime caper elements to it. Shan is just this wonderfully, uh, and Patrick Mulvey is in it too, and he's quite good, but every time I see her, she just, she's very chameleon-like. She's done a few things at court. Um, I think this is going to be a nice chance to see her in, in a, it, it, it's not a musical as the subtitle says. It's a play with songs, but she gets to sing in it. I mean, certainly she's not an unknown quantity, but Hollis Resnick, who's been around for you know, 40 years is doing Sunset Boulevard with Porchlight Music Theater. I think that's opening late October, early November. And I mean, there's no better diva role yeah. in the world. Even if you don't like Andrew Lloyd Webber, I yeah. think you might want to go see Hollis in that part. Um, yeah, but, you know, we just seem to, you know, kick them out with a, a fair amount of regularity here. Um, and, it, you know, it, I feel bad because now I'm going to be like, who am I forgetting? Yeah, whoever you forgot. Oh, um, mm -hmm. a, a director, uh, I mentioned Color Purple out at uh, Drury Lane. Uh, Sydney Charles is in that as as Seely, And that's directed by Lillianne Brown, who's a director who has done a lot of great work. Um, and I think is poised to maybe be, you know, next out of the box, you know, to go to bigger things. But hopefully will not be leaving us. Um but Sydney's done a lot of different stuff. She did the Nina Simone piece at Northlight uh, last I winter. I saw that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's somebody who just seems to be, you know, also really poised to, to do some amazing stuff coming. I mean, she's been doing amazing stuff. And, but. You, and you had uh, some recommendations for plays that you think people should run. Yeah. See. Yeah. Um, a playwright who I love. And again, uh, I, I tend to like people who surprise me. Lauren Yee, um, who had a play earlier this year at Victory Gardens called Cambodian Rock Band, which was one of my favorites of the year so far, uh, has a show opening at Steppenwolf this weekend called The, uh, the Great Leap. Mm hmm and uh, she's from the Bay Area originally. She had a play, kind of loosely autobiographical, about her family called King of the Yees at Goodman a few years ago. She's returning to San Francisco. This time it's set in 1989, and there's a young Chinese-American man from San Francisco who's on a traveling basketball team that's going to go to Beijing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. kind of deal with... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was back when we had tensions yes. with China, you know, well, so... Oh, yeah, yeah like so. we don't have them now. <laughs> uh, but she's, you know, she writes... Mm -hmm. you know, she can write about, I mean... Cambodian rock band is set, you know, during the Khmer Rouge era in Cambodia, and there were laughs in it. So if you can do that, then you're a pretty darn good playwright, I would say. Um, so that's exciting. Another playwright who uh, some some people listening might know is uh, Lucas Nath. Uh, he did The Christians and A Doll's House, a play called A Doll's House Part Two, which Laurie Metcalf oh, won a Tony yeah. for a few years ago on Broadway. Has that ever been in Chicago? Steppenwolf did it this last winter. Yeah, not yeah. with Laurie, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, not unfortunately, because it was great anyway. But, I mean, you know, she's not coming back to Chicago as much as maybe people would like. Um, but he has a solo show. It's a, well, it's a one-person show opening Monday. Uh, press opening is Monday night at the Goodman called Dana H. And it's based, again, on his true story of his mother, who was a chaplain 
in Florida, prison chaplain, and she was kidnapped by an ex-con and held for about five months in a series of seedy Florida motels. And it's actually drawn from, you know, things that he got out from her. It's interesting to me because I've interviewed Lucas for other things. And um, he's not a playwright who likes to talk a lot about the origins of his work. You know, some people are very effusive about, oh, I was inspired by this, and then I read this, and this all came together. You know, he's, he, I found him, not, not in a bad way, and I think this is absolutely fine if you want to be a little like, you know, I don't, I don't want to put the finger on what it is that inspired me, but to have something that is so deeply personal in your family and be able to find a way to put that on stage, I'm really fascinated to see how that, I haven't seen it yet, mm-hmm. I'm going Monday, but I'm really fascinated to see how that tension that will resolve. Frightening. It, it, yeah, it does. Yeah. Frightening. yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's fine. I yeah. get, I mean, she lived <laughs> that, you know, but, uh, so yeah, so there's that. Um, and then a thing that's been happening for the, this is be the third year, the, uh, little fest, not a little festival. It's, it's a festival. that's getting bigger every time. Destinos, uh, which is put on by the Chicago, um, Latino theater Alliance. They bring in artists from around the world. They also have, smaller companies in Chicago. Um, uh, they have a show opening in the smaller space at Steppenwolf, the 1700 Theater, by a group called uh, Water People Theater. And that's also, it's interesting. I, I think Kaylin Ralph and I from The Reader are gonna, we're talking about writing a joint piece about looking at plays where women are in peril, because <laughs> there seem to be a few of them. Uh, the piece that uh, Water People Theater is doing is about a, a female journalist who wakes up and you know after being in a coma and she knows something bad happened to put her there Mm -hmm. because she was investigating things that maybe people didn't want her investigating so she has to sort of reconnect um but there are there you know there are fun shows too um there's uh midsummer here is is just delightful spam a lot at uh, mercury theater uh also just got recommended by one of our critics um the you know the monty python musical Mm -hmm. so if you're finding ways to laugh (laughs) that's uh, looking for which we all need yeah Um, we definitely need it uh, those are some of the things. Now, let's get to my Hamilton question for you. I've not seen Hamilton, as uh, as I said. Uh, it was one of those things, if I may defend myself, you know, I, don't, I shouldn't feel defensive <laughs> on this subject. No, no, you it, can't see everything. It exploded out of the gates. Tickets were impossible. Sure. So all I heard about was how expensive the tickets right, were. Right, right. Uh, so that was a deterrent in and of itself. And then this time just marches on, and I forgot about Hamilton. Right, uh, right. And all of a sudden I realized they were articles in the paper, it's leaving, and this is your last chance. And you told me before we went on that it, January 5th is the last. I believe that is, yeah, the last date. And so, so here I am, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, can, they do that $20 ticket lottery every day. You could enter your name for that. Uh, there is, I actually know about this i saw uh, i didn't know it was a lottery um the uh, book of mormon oh okay i yeah. showed up one day i was walking down the street uh dearborn mm-hmm. i think it was and i just saw the theater where the book of mormon was playing i just walked over there and they had a ticket there and you it go. was unbelievably ex- uh, inexpensive relative yeah i mean i reasonable think, I think it's, yeah. we can overemphasize the cost of theater i mean it is expensive uh, for some shows but yeah, you know, there, there's hot ticks, you know, the run through the League of Chicago theaters. And I think you can get those online now. You don't even have to like, get in Shut line at the booth. Line, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say for any, any, any of the young folks listening, uh, student <laughs> discounts always yeah. ask for, or, or the old folks, yeah. seniors, military. I mean, there's a number of different discounts that are built in. And I would say overall, don't, don't quote me on this. Don't go to the small theaters and say, Carrie Reed said I could get a cheap. But I mean, I think that they're, they're they're so welcoming when you yeah the storefronts are more willing I think to because you know they're it, Hamilton they're gonna sell right yeah. regardless I mean 
But if you, there's so many theaters now that are doing a pay what you can or pay what you can. Yeah. You cut a deal with the guy. All right, I got, we got a dollar. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a whole free theater <laughs> yeah. movement that's going on. A red tape theater, which I think they're just closing a production. They were doing an adaptation of All Quiet on the Western Front. But they, you know, they're. Yeah, it's just kind of come in, pay what you want, you know. Uh, Theater Ublak, and I know these, I've known those guys for years, but they were the first to start. They had, you know, it was like whatever they their price was when they started in the 80s was like five bucks more if you've got it free if you're broke. And that's always been the way they've operated. Yeah. And, uh, what, what I think is interesting is that a lot of these companies that have been doing that, they said we sometimes make better money that way than when we were trying to make people pay us 15 or 20 bucks for a ticket because they come in and if they really like it, they're like, Wow. Well, as I'll I like give to, you, you know, as I like to point out along these lines, it's not theater, it's movies. Uh, there's 550 Tuesday at movie theaters arrived. Keep talking about this yeah. because every time I tell somebody about it, have you ever seen the movie? Well, it hasn't come out on the video yet. Why you don't go to the oh, They're so expensive. Do right. you know about 550 Tuesday? Happen to happen to happen. No, you don't know about 550. Right. It's just cheap. Or if you look at previews and, you know, we're trying to, you know, get a lot more listings on with yeah. the reader now and they'll, you know, they'll talk about, you know, lower priced previews or, you know, pay what you can nights or, you know, so there's, there's things you can do to try to get around that. So Hamilton, is it worth seeing? In I, your absolutely, I do think it is. You know, I do think it is. I saw, I didn't see it on the press opening here. I saw it, you know, a few months later. Um, but, you know, I'd listened to it. I'd read the, you know, I have, you know, the books, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it, in, the funny thing is, I don't necessarily think of it as something that hits you like a blockbuster. You know, I, I maybe, I went in because I'd heard so much hype about it. Mm-hmm. What I really admire about it is the way it, that Lin-Manuel Miranda builds that story and builds it with the parallel of this man's life and what's happening in the life of this young country that he's helped establish. And when, when those things kind of finally converge, mm-hmm. it's very profound. I would say it's very profoundly moving. And the other thing which surprised me, because I was sitting in the mezzanine, I wasn't in the orchestra. I think, here's a hot tip. I think those seats are better, at least at the, whatever, whatever. bank owns that theater now. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, or at least uh, pays for the right to have its right, name on the outside. Right, because it's a really wonderful dance show as well and, you know some musicals the dancing you're like that's ah, okay I, you know it's it, it's does it's doing the job but it's not you know knocking me over there are some really wonderful high energetic dance sequences in that and i don't think you can fully appreciate the full picture of them if you're sitting in the orchestra craning your neck up you know if you're looking down a little bit you're probably getting a little bit better perspective on that. All right. So. Well, I'm t- my wife wants to go anyway, so we're going to go anyway. But uh, it was one of those things, you know, after you don't go to a, a oh, show, sure. you say, well, like you justify it by like turning against it. I have no reason to or turn against it. Or you forget, you know, yeah, a forget, few years yeah. ago, uh, friends of mine were saying they, at that time they had, I think two boys in high school, girl in middle school, girl, you know, they had like, and they wanted to see a show over Christmas with the yeah. family. Well, they didn't want to go see Christmas Carol again. Beautiful show, but they're all over it by yeah. this point. They went to Blue Man Group. And I thought, Oh, yeah, that works because their sons are really, you know, not trying to be gendered here, but they were more, you know, techie type people. So, of course, they loved all the the tech and, (laughs) you know, it's funny and it's the younger kids. It's not too risque, you know. So I thought, well, that's good that there are shows like that, because when you talk about trying to get something, you know, a show for the whole family, it's like, yeah, I don't know. There's too many of those, (laughs) quite honestly, uh, unless the family is really open minded and is open to anything. uh, It's all right. uh, I have to ask you, I told you I was going to ask you this a guilty pleasures and a lot of people i know are, are get embarrassed by what they like uh when it comes to theater because mm-hmm. it's not approved by you know the right right the sanctioned minds of uh, the theater world so i'm a little embarrassed like i told you this i love uh gypsy and the music man and i'm mocked i think to 
I love mm-hmm. the music, man. I'm just going to say it right yeah. now. So these are some of my guilty pleasures. I, I don't think I can... I see Gypsy enough. I love Gypsy yeah. so much. Oh, God. Did you see it last year with Ife Butler? No, I, I wanted to see oh, that, that was, one. That was really something. Was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah I, I don't mean to be like rubbing the salt. Yeah, oh, I like, you missed that missed one, it. man. <laughs> but I remember when it came out. I'm like, you know, oh, I should see that. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, um, so what are your guilty pleasures? I, I like shows that are so dumb that you have to be really, really smart to pull them off. Like a show I just saw. It's been running. It's a... A show called Drunk Shakespeare. It's a New York import, but they're yeah. doing it with Chicago people. The premise on paper, you're like, this is the most idiotic thing imaginable. They're doing Macbeth, and one of the actors does like five shots, maybe more, before, and then they just do the show, and they have little moments where they stop, and maybe you'll have another drink, or that the person who's had to take the drinks can kind of require actors to do things like, okay, you're going to do your next scene like it's film noir. You know, so it's a mix of improv and Shakespeare and just stupid drunkenness. But these actors are so good <laughs> that they make it work. You know, I think wow. you have to be, you know, I mean, I, we can get into a whole Actually, that, ethics discussion yeah. about, you know, making an actor get that drunk. And I've read articles. They're like, oh, they only have to do it like one show a week. They, okay. We're not doing this night after yeah. night after night. Oh, so they're not they acting the, drunk. They are actually drunk. They're, they, you know, they may be goosing it a bit yeah. for the audience. But, yeah, they're definitely doing the doing the doing the whiskey. So, so whatever you, it is. Uh, OK, I'll put that on my list. What about you? Do you like Gypsy? I love Gypsy. Yeah, and what so you're was, not even embarrassed to say it. No, no. Okay. I think that, yeah. I think this is the thing. I think there's this idea that uh, maybe this is where Hamilton helped. I think Hamilton made it cool to like musicals again, because for certain people in certain generations, like I don't know, musicals are what my grandma and grandpa see. Yeah, music, you know. Right. And I grew up. My parents loved. You know, we had the South Pacific and you know love South Pacific. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, yeah. you know, Arnell, who I interviewed, the set designer, yeah. he said one of his dream projects would be doing South Pacific because uh, he's he's Filipino. And he said, you know, I, I understand Bloody Mary. I understand yeah. there's a lot of problems with that character, but I would love to see somebody do it and really he's like, I I I think I get it like in a way that maybe other people wouldn't. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting. What about so. Neil Simon? Are you ashamed to say you like Neil Simon? No, you know, I think Neil Simon is darker than people realize too. Particularly you know? later Neil Simon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the odd the couple is just brilliant. No, there is a female version of it that is not good. No. So do not see that. Cause I, I think he wrote it once. just to kind of, you know, Did he actually write it. Yeah. Cause version? he was afraid that people were going to just start doing it without I his see. permission, I think, or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's not like, like he could, it would yeah. hurt him to lose a little of the right, money. Right, Sorry, right. Neil. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're not making enough money. God <laughs> forbid <laughs> somebody else is going to. Right, right. Anyway, I love Neil Simon to death. And uh, no, the darker one was the one about um, oh, growing up and he got schlepped off to his uh, oh, was that, uh, aunt's house in, in Yonkers. L- lost yeah, in Lost Yonkers. in Yonkers. It's a very yeah. dark place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think people forget there is this, you know, that. Uh, the dark Neil yeah. Simon. Uh, Carrie Reader's her name. It's been a blast having you on the show. Chicago Reader, theater editor and critic. Check out the Reader's uh, Chicago Fall Theater and Dance issue. Definitely going to have you back, Carrie, talking plays. Do you know anything about movies? A little bit. Ask me, s- ask me about Barbara Stanwyck. She's my favorite film actor. Okay, wow. That's, <laughs> uh, you have very... Uh, that's I do occasionally see things from... What TV you know, show is Barbara Stanwyck on for 10 trivia points? The, the Big Valley. Very good. Whoa, look at the brain on Brad. Uh, so you have not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I have not. Um, I 
definitely read Ben Sachs's review in the reader. I've read others, you know, so I'll, I'll right, get well, to it. Your job is so. to go that. I will watch Hamilton. You watch okay. that. Well, and what's the deal? What about Hustlers? You're going to go see Hustlers? Do you even know what that is? I do not uh, even know what that is. J Lo's. It's just come out. It's a movie. No. Uh, oh, I think. Oh, okay. Yes, I have heard of it. Yes. Okay. okay. Took All me right. a minute. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just getting my head back out from under the, the we, weight we're of the to Paul drag you in here. <laughs> I'm going to bring you in with some of our uh, movie geeks and yeah. throw you in the mix, uh, which would be pretty interesting. Have a theater critic and talking about movies. I uh, might have some fun with that. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. All right. Very good. All right, thank you, Ben. I'm Ben Jarofsky. This has been a bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show.